Good morning, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with MBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message coming to you from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024, and we've got a returning guest today, a dear friend and colleague in the ministry, Mark Fontecchio, will be with us here in just a moment. He's been on a few times before, but it's been a while. He's been uh, a busy guy, and uh, so finally coaxed him into taking time out of his schedule to join us uh, for the podcast today. We're going to be talking about the amazing nature of God's grace, both in uh, getting people saved and receiving eternal life, as well as in our daily walk with the Lord. Grace really does change everything. So I'll bring uh, Mark on and say a little bit more about him here in just a moment. But a couple of quick announcements. Uh, we are we just finished up with our conference in Atlanta at North Star Family Church, and we are headed to Orlando for the much-anticipated, long-awaited Orlando Prophecy Summit. And uh, if you're in the Orlando area, come by and see us. I know many of you have already reached out to say you're going to be at that conference. Uh, it's not too late to purchase streaming tickets. You can go to prophecywatchers.com. They've sold out uh, the actual in-person tickets uh, some time ago, several weeks ago, a couple months ago, actually. But you can join by stream. What's cool about that is you get to see all 16 speakers uh, and you can watch them at any time. You don't have to just tune in when they're speaking. You have six months to go back and watch them. So it's really a great deal. Uh, check out prophecywatchers.com uh, for that, or it's linked up at our website, notbyworks.org. But appreciate your prayers as uh, Wendy and I and the family uh, head down to Orlando. We've been on the road for a week already, and we've got three more weeks to go because after Prophecy Watchers, we've got, we go to Claremont to visit with our good friends there at Liberty Baptist. We'll be speaking uh, seven times over the course of that uh, several days there. And then we go from there up to Sanford to speak at Sanford Bible Church, and then we start the long trek home. So God is good. It's been a great uh, trip uh, already, and, and we, we appreciate your faithful prayers. If you're anywhere along the way uh, at any of those events, you can check them out at uh, notbyworks.org on the events tab. Come by and see us. We'd love to put a name with the face and uh, and say hello. Uh, we're still doing the podcasts every day, some of them pre-recorded, some of them we're doing at the conferences, some of them from the hotel rooms, but we've got a lot of great guests. Uh, I know this week uh, we had Leo Homan on yesterday, we've got uh, a first-time guest, Mike Filipek will be on Thursday, Russ Miller's back on on Friday, and of course every week we do our World Events Update with Randy every Wednesday, been doing that for well over a year now, and it's uh, kind of a fan favorite. We always enjoy hearing from Randy on uh, his take on world events and what's going on, uh, some of his insights and commentary on geopolitical events. So great week of podcast ahead. But without further ado, let me read our verse for the day, and then we'll welcome Mark Fontecchio. Second Peter 3, 17 and 18, Peter concludes his epistle here with these words, "'You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you fall also from your own steadfastness.'" being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We're going to be talking about how grace changes everything today, and believers are encouraged here in this verse to grow in grace. And uh, Mark Fontecchio and I have known each other for many years. Uh, we've worked together in a variety of contexts. Um, we uh, collaborated on uh, my book, What Lies Ahead, uh, the uh, Biblical Overview of the End Times. That's my eschatology textbook. You can find that at notbyworks.org uh, on the online store. 
While you're on our website, by the way, be sure and check out the free section. Uh, you can download all kinds of documents and charts and different resources available to you, including our NBW preparedness guide at notbyworks.org. Click on the store button and go to the free section. No credit card needed. It's all uh, just stuff that we want to make available uh, to you. But Mark is up in Alaska, Wasilla, Alaska. He's with Return to the Word. You can find out more about him at returntotheword.com. That's returntotheword.com. He does several podcasts each week. You can get to those right from his website. He's also the pastor at Pioneer Baptist in Wasilla. I've had the privilege of visiting Pioneer Baptist, had a great time with those folks. Uh, be sure and tell them all hello. But Mark, thanks so much for joining us for the program today. JB, thank you for having me again. It's such an honor to be with Not By Works Ministries. I, it's been too long, my friend. It has been, you know, um, but that's all right. Uh, you know, that's the thing about longtime friends. You know, you can pick up the phone and pick up right where you left off. And and plus, I've always, you know, uh, considered you a lifelong project to try to straighten out. <laughs> straighten out well, I, I was going to go biblical with you and say, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, I was going to go biblical and say, though, you know, I was going to quote Peter where he talks about in Second Peter, those who share that like precious faith. But if if you want to talk about longtime projects, brother, that's OK. <laughs> Uh, well, you, both you, Wendy and I, and I know who's the lifetime project here. Oh, boy, isn't that yeah. the truth? Oh boy, you you nailed that and one. And it yeah. ain't Wendy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely not her. What a blessing our wives yeah, are. She's that's for such sure. a blessing in my life, and uh, she's uh, really uh, does so much behind the scenes uh, for our ministry, uh, praying for us, but also yeah. just her her ideas and thoughts. And Brooke, too. Uh, I know our listeners know uh, Brooke is in her second uh, a full year now with our ministry. And wow, what a difference she's made. Really appreciate her. So, so Mark, um, you and I are grace guys, as we like to say, in the sense that we understand that salvation is a free gift. That's what grace is. It means free. Uh, if it's not free, it's not grace. If it's not grace, it's not free. And uh, you and I also are both passionate uh, about uh, the clarity and the accuracy of the gospel. And uh, and so we do a lot of uh, teaching and writing about the, the accuracy of the gospel message for those who are lost and need to be saved. But uh, I think there's another aspect to grace that a lot of believers miss, isn't there? Oh, there absolutely is, JB. I think one of the things um, that happened to me when I came to Alaska is uh, I could not find a grace church for my family. And that, that just became a huge issue. And I was first certainly would love to apply at a church that was already, you know, established in doctrine. And, and you know, as a pastor, that just rarely happens, right? So, you know, you, you begin to look at churches that you're going to take to pastor and then how you're going to instill the doctrines of grace into those churches and into the lives of people, more importantly. And as you do that, it becomes fascinating as years start to tick by and you start to look around in the congregation and say, how have these doctrines really changed your life? How has it transformed? And you see people's lives just transformed by really understanding what grace is and how it affects so many different areas of our lives. Yeah, it really is. You, you know, you probably get this a lot where uh, over the years of your teaching, people will come up to you and and they'll they'll just say, you know, how grateful they are for finally coming to an understanding of grace. I mean, it it's not yes. a, it's not just a marketing meme. Grace really does change everything. When you get your hands around grace, 
It changes the way you interact with others. It changes your relationship with the Lord in the sense that you're not constantly viewing God through some lens of retribution, but uh, you understand your identity in Christ. Uh, you're more confident. You're more secure. So that's what we want to talk about today is some of the benefits or the ways that uh, the doctrine of grace really does have a practical impact in the life of a believer. You know, we have uh, a lot of military families up in Alaska, and it's it's kind of interesting because in the last couple of weeks, I've had two sets of men come up to me. One's our church security, one of our church security guys, and he's, you know, big stoic ex-Marine, sits in the back carrying his gun and kind of, you know, checking everybody out as they come and go. And I've had two men that military backgrounds that transferred churches every couple of years in the military, both of them broke down in tears mm. because of how much understanding the word of God through the doctrines of grace impacted mm. their marriages. It impacted their work lives. It impacted their private lives. It impacted every single facet of their lives. And it's just, it's inspiring to see it it really motivates you to continue to share the doctrines of grace. Yeah, no, it it does. And, you know, I know I in my own life, I've seen it. And, uh, you know, I, I've shared my story often, so I won't share the whole story. But, I, you know, I awakened really to the clarity of the gospel and really what grace means uh, when I had just graduated from college and was starting out at seminary. Uh, and it wasn't through the seminary directly that I began to go down this road of uh, having a passion for grace. Uh, it was through, you know, people that the Lord brought into my life that influenced me. And so, like you, I, I really consider it a privilege to be able to awaken others to grace. Never get tired of teaching about no. the gospel, never get tired of teaching uh, about grace. But, uh, you know, the opposite, though, is that we have a, a formidable foe, don't we? The devil who's blinding men's hearts to the gospel. And so there are those who see the lens through performance, through behavior, and uh, we might call them legalistic. Um, there are many different names for that in Scripture. But the bottom line is they they tend to focus more on, uh, you know, the, the specs in other people's lives rather than the log in their own. So as you've served the Lord and you've been teaching the Word of God, um, you know, kind of run us through some of the practical ways that you've seen uh, the doctrine of grace. Well, first of all, why don't we define what we mean by grace? I've defined the term. It means unmerited favor, free gift, that kind of thing. But give us kind of a snapshot of what we mean when we talk about, you know, grace in life. Well, you know, I think it starts with the gospel. And I was going to say, um, you know, I was I was in seminary. Actually, this weird guy uh, that I had teaching me in seminary. Um, what's his last name? Is it Hick Hicks? Wait Hick, a minute, weird Hick. guy. <laughs> Man, I you know, of course, I was a lot younger then. So yeah, better looking. You know, yeah, no um, doubt. Yeah, but no. Um, I I remember honestly, the Lord used you. If 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 your listeners don't know this, the Lord used you many years ago in my life to uh, bring a clearer understanding to my own ministry and to my own life on the gospel. And I think that's where grace begins. You start to wrestle with the gospel first and foremost, and you start to say, "Wait a minute, it is a free gift. I don't have to do anything to earn it. It's just absolutely." free. And so as we start to understand that, we we start to, and by the way, if if any of your listeners have never read your book, Getting the Gospel Wrong, 
that's the number one book you should go and, and just if you're not clear on the gospel go purchase it today it is that good of a book um we actually have a number of books we give out to people in the church uh, that are kind of growing in their faith and looking for clarity. And that's, I have about 20 copies at all times in my office that I give out. I give out one a week. So Amen. Um, it is that it is that important to understand and have that foundation. I really believe it's that important because then once you have clarity and grace and what, what we're talking about with the gospel, then you can start to see it permeate into the different areas of your life. And I think the, the biggest one that I'm seeing uh, people's lives changed up here in Alaska is it's it's part of the gospel, but it's actually once you clearly understand the gospel, you you move to assurance in your faith and how important assurance is, because once you have it, you realize it's not as many of the reformed teachers uh, would teach or many of the Lordship Salvation guys would teach that we don't look at our performance for assurance, but we look at the promises of God. Mm. And if you don't mind, I'd like to illustrate why that's so important. I've had um, three men in the last year, all in their mid 40s, come up to me and tell me their story about how for the first time they have assurance in their lives. In fact, uh, one, one gentleman came to me and was, was just telling me that he, he was about 40 years old and he, he was going to a different church at the time, very large church, very famous church. And he went to, him and his wife went to their pastor. They'd been listening to a lot of Lordship teaching, a lot of performance-based teaching. And they went to their pastor and they said, we trusted the gospel, but when we listen to these guys, we start to think that maybe our life doesn't match what it's supposed to be. And so we're questioning, are we actually saved? And they would, tor they were tormented for years, just mm -hmm. tormented for years. And their pastor literally told them, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I just don't know what to tell you. And their first week at our church, um, as God would will it, I happen to be teaching on, how you can have assurance if you are of the faith. And, and so, but, but that's how grace, um, the timing was impeccable, but that's how grace changes because you can have assurance when you realize it's not performance-based, it's in Christ, it's in his promises, it's in his character, it's in who he is. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's chase that rabbit for just a moment because one of the, you know, tired, you know, criticisms that is, is completely false, but we hear it all the time is that, well, if you emphasize the freeness of salvation, which, by the way, we're not emphasizing that. The Bible emphasizes that all we're right. doing. Right, absolutely, it does, over, yeah. Over and over again, you know, who, you know, you, you were justified freely by His grace, Romans 3.24, or Revelation 22, you know, whosoever will, let him come drink freely of the water of life. Again, Romans 5, if it's not free, it's not grace. So you, you see, freeness is clearly the key, because salvation is a unilateral gift. God's the giver. And you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough. You can't do anything to get it. God has to give it to you. You simply receive it by faith. But because we do emphasize that biblical teaching, people will say all the time, well, aren't you afraid that that's going to give people a license to sin? And aren't you afraid that that's going to make people want to sin? And, you know, you got to be careful about guaranteeing people that they're saved, uh, because look at their behavior. They might not really be saved. Well, the first of all, 
we're not guaranteeing anybody saved except on the authority of God's word. And Amen. Jesus clearly said, whoever believes in me has, present tense, everlasting life, John 6, 47. He said, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish, John 10, 28, over and over and over again. So all we're doing is telling people what Jesus said, but explain for our listeners why that is a, a logical fallacy to suggest that you know, reminding people of the promise of Christ and his certainty in that promise in no way encourages people to sin. I Well, certainly, first of all, let's just say Paul addresses that himself, doesn't he, in Romans 6, <laughs> right away. Does, what yeah. shall we do? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. Certainly not, he says. You know, certainly not. And I think Paul's point, which we see play out in people's lives, is that it has the opposite effect. It doesn't, if, if people really understand grace, it doesn't lead to licentiousness. It leads to grace living. It leads to that thank you life. It leads to realizing that God the Spirit is living in you, and you're not keeping secrets. You're not trying to perform for men. You're trying to live in fellowship with God. Um, I ask, I ask, Christians, I, I teach the adult Sunday school. Our Sunday school is one of, one of my favorite times of the week. I get to interact with the saints, just hear their questions, their concerns, and and then dive into the scriptures, much like we're doing here with you, brother. And um, I, it's such a joy to be able to do that. And for me, um, I ask them all the time, I'm like, what is the purpose of your life now that you're saved by faith? And it's live in fellowship with God because all the other things, as you walk with God, the fruit of the spirit will come. The fruit, of, you're going to let God govern your life. You're going to let his mind be taught to you through the spirit of God and the word of God. And so you're going to just take up that grace life and you're going to run with it if you really understand what grace is. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to explain, you know, because it's such a, you know, a, a common argument that somehow recognizing you received a gift makes you want to run out and squander it. And, and it's just, there's a disconnect there. It's just not a cause and effect. Otherwise, every gift you received would would come with a problem, right? I mean, it's, it's strange. People understand the concept of gifts, birthdays, Christmas, anniversaries. And, and when I give my wife a gift, I don't think now, Boy, I hope she doesn't doesn't run out there and squander this, or me giving her this free gift is probably going to make her want to go squandered. I never think that, and nobody does in the normal you know realm of earthly giving. But for some reason, because of bad teaching and bad theology that is a stranglehold on the church today, Christians are prone to think that the gift of salvation, if you emphasize that somehow and and its freeness and so forth, somehow that's going to engender sin. When, as you said, it's just the opposite. When we get a gift, boy, we're grateful for that. You know, Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And, and it makes us want to serve well. I mean, believe me, Christians sin. There's no question about that. No one's arguing. Oh, that I'm, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> you see that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, seriously, we understand both in our own personal lives and in, you know, <clears throat> pastoral ministry, that sin is a real formidable foe in the life of a Christian. And <clears throat> we, the grace position, I think, does a much better job of dealing with sin in the life of a believer because we understand the root cause of it. There are plenty of 
things that lead the believer to sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, just the whole fleshly desire, worldliness, all of those things. But emphasizing our eternal security is not one of them. That does not no. cause people to sin. If anything, no. it strengthens our faith, right? Absolutely. Because, you know, I like to illustrate it this way. I remember back when I first started in ministry, um, we were very, very very poor, very poor, <laughs> as you, you probably experienced something similar. Um, and I remember I didn't even have, you know, this is back before Logos Bible software and all these things. And I, I didn't have a, a lot of the, the books I needed to study. And my wife went down to the local Christian bookstore and bless her. She had a gift certificate and she bought me, you know, a little lexicon and, and some different tools for, for studying. Now I look back, I mean, I, I have thousands of books. I have Logos Bible software. I have but those three books she bought me mm. are on a special place on my bookshelf in my office at church. Why? Because I, I cherish mm -hmm. what she gave me. And the fact that I cherish I mean, I love my wife so much and I love that she sacrificed to get me those books. And that's how I look at it with grace. Yeah. You know, that's how I look at it. My savior died on the cross for me and understanding Christ lives in me. The spirit of God lives in me. And all he wants me to do is, is have a better life because he's already given me eternal life. He wants yeah. me to walk in fellowship with him. He doesn't want to hurt me. He wants me to grow in his grace and knowledge. Yeah. And, and once you understand that it's liberating and it gives you the freedom to turn and go walk with him. Oh, yeah. No, I can remember when Wendy and I, when I was in seminary, we were first married. Uh, fortunately, Wendy, you know, had a was working and she helped put me through seminary in the early days of our marriage. And she's she's always been, uh, you know, a, a, a key part of our income throughout the years. It just ministry is not for the faint of heart. And there are times when income ebbs and flows and, and the Lord <laughs> used Wendy to help us make ends meet many, many a time. But I can remember early on when we were things were really tight. We would go to a restaurant that had, that had free rolls with, with dinner <laughs> and we would order like one Coke or something real cheap under $5 and just fill up on the rolls. And we would ask for honey. Do you have any honey we can put on these rolls? We'd get honey and butter and rolls and just sit there and enjoy a sweet fellowship of early married life. But it, it, you know, we didn't have barely two nickels to rub together. But, uh, but so what's interesting about this idea of security and, and the sanctification process in the Christian life of gradually growing in Christ and becoming spiritually mature is that the, the, uh, the non-grace position actually causes more harm. Because yes, what, like you just said, as you beautifully described those books from, from uh, your wife, from Angie, you know, when, when you think, as many believers have been taught— that you brought something to the table, that you did something to earn this, that your commitment, your surrender, your promise, your pledge, your forsaking, your, you know, whatever you want to call it, that somehow you got eternal life because of something you did, even a small part. Because a lot of believers will say, you know, well, yeah, Christ died for my sins, but I got to do something. I got to bring something. I got to promise to stop sinning or turn away from all my sins. Or, But if you think you've done something, then when you struggle with sin in, in the life, in your life as a Christian, you begin to think, well, okay, uh, I got to do it harder. I got to do it more. I got to do it over, right? Uh, it's performance-based then. It's very performance. You're on a treadmill. 
Right. You're, you and know, so, and so you, you start, it's a, it's a vicious cycle where you start looking at yourself and thinking I'm bad, I'm terrible. But when you, when you look at grace and you realize you didn't do anything, you couldn't yeah. do anything. It is absolutely free. Then when you really come to grips with that, it's just stunning the impact it has on your life. And as you described so beautifully in your feelings about those books and what a special place they have, you, you begin to go, you know what? I'm, I'm a child of the King. Jesus yeah, Christ amen. sacrificed his life, shed his own blood for me. Amen. There's no way for a believer to be acting. I, I Out of gratitude for him, I want to live for him. So, But most people live their life uh, in this performance-based T-chart, and you got to do more good than bad, otherwise God won't love me, or God didn't really save me, that kind of a thing. So, you know, and, and, it's, it's terrible. <clears throat> yeah, and where it carries over, too, we've had people ask in our church, why is your church, like, I was describing our Sunday school hour. Why Why is your church so friendly? Why do people feel like they can discuss the word and there's no one that's, you know, above everybody else that has all the answers and they're trying to outshow each other and they're not coming in just dressing their sun, Sunday best, but they got in a fight on the way to church, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm sure there's that happens, right? We still sin. But why is it such a loving, grace-filled atmosphere? Well, it's because our people understand grace and they they realize they're not trying to earn it or impress anybody because God's already seen the worst. Yeah. God already knows the worst. <laughs> he already knows all the worst, you know, um, but we're there just to live in that sweet. Thank you, life fellowship with God. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of times, JB, then that we say grace and then all of a sudden people start throwing out verses. Well, yeah, OK. <laughs> but what about, you know, what about in Revelation? Doesn't it say I can blot, you know, I can have my name blotted out. Isn't that, you know, going back? Well, that's that's Revelation 3, 5. All that is saying that, you know, it's just using a double negative to state a positive truth. I will not blot out your name. You know, that's that's all that's saying. There's so many verses like that where we come up with um, that we need to look at the context of these verses. And I would just encourage people, you know, if you're starting to wrestle with grace for the first time, look at through JB's website or, or you can look at mine, but look at JB start there and, and, and you'll find answers to those verses. You'll find answers. We've looked at those verses. Yeah. So you're, you're right. I mean, uh, Revelation 3, 5, it, you know, people misinterpret that because they think, well, since he says he will not blot out, it must mean that he can blot out. But that's not the case at all. We There are a lot of, uh, you know, it's an example of a figure of speech called litotes, where you're emphasizing a positive yeah. by, uh, you know, you're emphasizing a positive by emphasizing the negative. Like, I will not blot you out means I'm going to emphasize it. I'm going to highlight it. I'm going to underline it. I'm going to put, put a star by it. Um we, we see litotes used all the time in, in, in English language, like th that was no small feat, means it was really a great accomplishment or um, you know, that, that type of thing. We see it even in Scripture. In Hebrews, uh, the writer says, God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. Well, does that mean yeah. it's possible for God to be unjust? He says he won't be unjust. That may, must mean he can be. No, no, of course we know God cannot be unjust. It's just saying God is particularly fair and particularly just. So, the, the fact of the matter is, if you come to the Bible with this performance-based paradigm, there are plenty of passages that, you know, at first pass, without taking the time to look at the context, might seem to imply that we have to work for our salvation or that we can yeah. lose or forfeit our salvation. But when you understand grace in, the, in, in a theological sense, from cover to cover, line upon line, 
then every one of those so-called trouble passages or difficult passages or tough passages simply resolves away in the context in perfect understanding. The Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible, you know, Paul is very clear, it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So, you know, uh, I think, obviously, much of Christendom for the last 2,000 years has been held captive by this performance-based model. It's one of the first things that Paul addressed in his writings in Galatians. The first letter he ever wrote was to defend the purity of the gospel, and it's not going to go away until uh, Christ comes back, frankly. Amen. Um, yeah, because because we always go back to works. Yes. We always go back to works. Uh, yeah, so maybe never, maybe somebody should start a ministry kind of re rebuffing. Works, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, people still ask me, especially because over the last uh, 10 years or so, we've, we've done so much writing and speaking in the area of eschatology, uh, the end times, Bible prophecy, which, by the way, is that third component of our core value. We believe in the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the yeah. gospel. So they Amen. go hand in hand. But sometimes people... A lot of our audience now, frankly, doesn't know about our our beginning, uh, where we were essentially a gospel ministry only, and uh, and so they'll say, "What does NBW stand for?" You know, and so we get the opportunity to explain it on our car that we use for traveling for the ministry. We've got uh, magnetic signs on the both sides and the back, and when we're pulling our trailer, you can't uh, you can't uh, see it because the trailer blocks it. I we bought these great big version of those ministry signs magnets to put on the trailer uh paid pretty penny for them actually got them and then realized when i went to stick them on the trailer the sides of my trailer are not metal i felt like some kind of god has a way of allowing us to be humble, doesn't he <laughs> yeah he does he does so we'll use those at some point they're up in our attic now above the that's office. fantastic but uh but when we don't pull the trailer you can see on the back we've got titus 3 5 there we've got our ministry and website but people will say what is nbw and 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 even at gas stations and places tell me about your ministry or when we wear our ministry uh a garb uh, you know on the road people what is nbw and it gives us the chance to say well you know it's just it's a ministry that presents the clarity accuracy and urgency of the gospel the good news that salvation is not by works it's a free gift paid for by the blood of christ so I think uh, JB, when we when we talk about grace, just to bring it back to that a little bit, um, for me, I think that Christians, if you've never wrestled with this, to understand that there's a difference between your position in Christ and your condition in Christ, I think it's one of the fundamental truths, and it, it's it stems out of this grace discussion that we're talking about. Um, you know, once in the family of God, always in the family of God. I use the illustration that if if our son does something. Uh, to me, you know, I may strain our fellowship, but he's still in our family. Um, and, and, and the same is true in our relationship with God. We can strain our relationship. We can walk, step out of fellowship with God. Certainly we can, but once in the family of God, always in the family of God. And there is a difference in the Bible between our position. Luther got this right. Of You know, theology is strange bedfellows. I'm, I might've heard that from this uh, friend I have. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, and I thought you were weird the first time I heard you say that, but. Um, I, well, that's probably not the only reason you think 
I, I still think you're weird just for the, for the record. No, but uh, Luther actually did, did get that part right. Luther, so some things we, you know, I'm not one that's overly critical of people in, in church history because a lot of times they're running for their lives while trying to defend the faith, you know, so I'm not trying to be overly critical. He got some things wrong. He, he got that right. There is a difference between our position in the Bible. And, and that's, if you look at Romans, if you structure Romans, really, what is Paul saying in the first four or five chapters? He's talking about your salvation, your identification in Christ. Then from chapter six and on, he starts talking about your condition. Chapter six, seven, eight, why, why does he talk about why do I do the things I don't want to do? Well, that's our condition, our walk, our how we are living in fellowship or not living in fellowship. But that's the grace life. It's mm-hmm. found there. It's yeah. found there. No, you're right. That is uh, the most undertaught but vital biblical doctrine for the Christian life. Um, you know, we in our chart book, we distinguish it between our position in Christ and our practice in Christ. Our position uh, is set. You know, if you're a Christian today, you'll be a Christian tomorrow. That's Christ, you know, said, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish. And he meant it. He wasn't lying. He wasn't kidding. There's no footnote or asterisk. I give you eternal life if you believe in me. And you will never perish. So, because it's what, not like he didn't know about your sins tomorrow, right? Exactly, he paid for <laughs> you your know? sins, past, present, and future. So, yeah. but you know, so how do we receive that gift? Well, it's trusting in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. It's Jesus Christ alone. You can't trust in Jesus and the church or and religion or and your heritage. It's trusting in Jesus, abandoning your faith in anything and everything else, and saying only Jesus can save me, and I'm trusting Him. To, because he died and rose again for my sins to give me the, the gift of eternal life. So that'll never change. That's our position. We're in Christ. We're adopted into the family of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, reconciled to a holy God, declared righteous before a holy God, all of those you know doctrinal truths that relate to our eternal salvation. But the problem is, in, in an ideal world, our daily practice will reflect our position in Christ, Right? That's what it should do. But we still have that old fleshly nature, and when we cater to the flesh, the old man, our practice is not going to reflect our position, right? So it's kind of like, you know, if we, if we when our kids are younger and we they're acting up and we say, uh, hey, don't do that. No Hickson's going to act like that. That's not the way we Hicksons act, right? Well, the same thing is true in the Christian life. We do things that Christians shouldn't do, and the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Lord's discipline, we hope, is gentle, and 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 we we draw back into that rich, sweet fellowship. So you're right; that distinction between the family of God and the fellowship with God is something that I think resolves a lot of the tension that people have about salvation. Because otherwise, what they're left with is, well, if you're sinning, or if you're sinning a lot, or if you're sinning for too long, or if you commit any big sins, you're not saved. Well. Uh, they may not be saved, but if they're not saved, it's not because of the sins they're committing. It's because they've never trusted in Christ. So instead, the grace life position comes along and says, well, you know, let's look at this position. Have you trusted Christ? Yes, I'm a, I'm a child of God, so forth. John 1, 12. Okay, well, now you know, we've got a problem, brother or sister, because your practice is not reflecting the image of Christ that you're called to, to be. So let's work on that. And, and so how, how do we do that? How do we work on that sanctification process? Well, it's the verses we started with growing in the grace and knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, it, it is. And it's uh, knowledge. You know, it's funny how um, 
Peter uses the word knowledge in in first and second Peter, especially second Peter, you know, because he's talking about two different terms. One is relational knowledge. And then as he's using it there in second Peter um, 318, that's just kenosis. He's saying, add, add more, keep, keep now that you have a relationship with Christ, keep going, keep studying further, keep learning more about the mind of Christ. But can it, to go back to something you said, JB, it's so important because what we talk about is how grace changes is if you don't understand these distinctions between your position in Christ and your condition or, you know, the family of God versus fellowship of God. If you don't understand, if, you, if you're confused about your salvation, if you're not sure of your salvation, what happens is you're going to blow it today, tomorrow, the next day. You're going to eventually blow it. You're going to sin. And then when you sin, you think, okay, I sinned. Am I really saved? Am I sinned? I sinned. Therefore, am I really going to heaven? Versus it's as simple as this. If you understand these grace doctrines, I sinned and I'm really sorry, Lord. Mm. I shouldn't have done that. Mm. Restore that fellowship. And you move on with your day. You maybe praise him. You know, I, when I'm driving in my truck, I'll, um, I, one of my particular uh, reoccurring sins of life is I have a right foot that's a little heavier than, than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, it's hard because we have four police officers in our church. So it really, so, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to meet some of our church members someday uh, on the highway. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things. I'll be like, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. And I love you. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. That's what I, confession I love means. It's yeah. Homologeo to say the same thing as homo same logos speak or say to say the same thing as it's to say the same thing that God says. So when we sin, by the way, I, we'll save this discussion for another day. But I'm not sure speeding in and of itself is a sin. But yeah, heart <laughs> conviction condemns you. It's a sin. So um, anyway, you know when we sin, we go okay. Yeah, I agree, Lord, that was wrong. And, uh, you know, restore to me the joy of my salvation. David's a great penitent psalm in Psalm 51. Yeah. So uh, we're we're about out of time, but I want to kind of wrap this up in a sort of a bite-sized summary, if if we may. So we're talking about grace changes everything. I think uh, we we need to understand that grace is the only way you can be saved, right? If you think you can get saved by bringing something to the negotiation table— Forget it. You don't understand grace. But let's assume for the argument that people are saved. They've understood grace. They've received the free gift by, you know, grace through faith. The grace comes into play in the Christian life, as we said in Second Peter three eighteen, growing in grace. In that, the more you embrace God's amazing grace, the more. Uh, likely you are to let that be reflected in what you do. I mean, totally. would you agree there's nothing more beautiful than a person who gets grace and just is a gracious human being? It's it's a trickle. I was going to I <laughs> thank you for going there, JV. I was going to say it's a trickle down effect. You You start to see people understand the gospel. Then they start to understand assurance in their own life. And they understand that that's kind of what I've seen this pattern. And then once they go from assurance, they start to treat people better. And then you start to see it in the homes and you start to see marriages restored because you don't have two people constantly questioning their salvation and, and questioning their kids salvation. You have people understanding what all this means and you have peace in the home, not perfection, 
<laughs> but yeah. but you know but peace in the home and you start to be able to raise up your children based on grace and then you go to church and it changes the climate of the church and it changes how you share grace with other people grace is attractive mm-hmm. um and i'm not you, you know me jb i'm not this type to boast but our little church it went from five people to 200 people in five years mm-hmm. um why not because of me i'm waiting for you to give an amen um, <laughs> <laughs> insert joke here not because of me but because the teaching of god's word with grace yeah is attractive to those yeah. that are saved by faith it really is we harp on it all the time at at plum creek that you know, because we have a, a unique church, we got people coming from all walks of life, all backgrounds. They're coming because they 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 want to hear Bible prophecy taught. They they want to uh, you know stand up to the government pressures. They want to just you know sure. be left alone. It's a unique group of people, not unlike what I experienced out at, at Pioneer Baptist. And so, um, but we get people in from time to time from backgrounds that that are more legalistic. And, you know, if it starts to become a problem or rear its head, I, I'll address it because nothing yeah, me too. gets my gander up more than seeing people be ungracious with one another. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're critical of someone because of what they wear, or how they act or, you know, what kind of music they like. And you're not as spiritual as me because you like contemporary music, that, that kind of thinking. Well, you know, when you start making preference issues into you know, moral issues, I've got a problem with that. And uh, you may you may have your preference. That's fine. That's between you and the Lord. But give other people the room to grow and to come to those uh, maturity levels on their own. In fact, it's a, it's a glaring sign of immaturity spiritually. It is. People go around pointing out the faults of others. And uh, we don't like that at our church. <laughs> the, no, we we chase them. We not try to chase the people out, but we chase out that doctrine. We don't allow that. Um, and it, it's amazing thing. I, we we probably and and this is to our air, JB. We probably should have said we're not talking about counterfeit grace. There is a counterfeit grace. Grace is being redefined in a in a horrible way today through lordship salvation, through reformed theology, through the Calvinists. Um, they think they they th- they label legal as grace but what if you read the book of galatians the, the thing that stands out at you by reading galatians is that the legalist is the immature one mm-hmm. no doubt that's what stands out i mean you you can't escape it but you know just one last thing one just, i know we're running short on time but one last area i think it really grace changes is your ability to understand that there's no special class of priesthood when it comes to understanding the bible God wants that relationship with you so much that he wrote this giant 66 chapter love letter called the Bible. And he wants you to understand it. And through simple, I, I do you still have that uh, hermeneutics Bible study course, JB? We on do, your website? Yeah. How yeah, to yeah. study the Bible. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So I would recommend people going to, to do that. Um, that's a fantastic, I uh, sharpened my skills. Actually, I think I told you when I went to seminary under your teaching that, um, one of the reasons I was going back for my master's degree at that time was because I wanted to sharpen my hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. And but so we do need to pick up some skills in how to study the Bible, but God wants you to understand it. And there's principles that we learn: singularity of meaning, the inductive Bible study method approach, single principles that we we pick up and understand, but God wants you to understand his book. And once you get to that, you you really can grow in his grace and knowledge. 
Oh, you can. And yes, we do. We have a uh, self-guided 15 session course on uh, Bible study methods, it's called. Uh, it's highlighted in the highlight carousel. If you just scroll through the highlight announcements on our homepage at notbyworks.org, you'll get to it. Or you can also just search for it in the online store. Go to notbyworks.org slash store. Uh, but it's a great course. It's actually the course that I've taught for years at multiple institutions, both when I was in full-time academics as well as as an adjunct. And I mean, it's it's beefy, but it's work at your own pace. I'm available as the proctor of the course for you know appointments, and uh, you know we can do Zoom sessions and answer questions and so forth. But it's it's got great textbooks, uh, got great supplemental ar uh, articles and things that I've written. Uh, but I highly recommend it if you want to get your hands around the proper way to rightly divide the Word of God. It's called uh, uh, Bible Study Methods Course. Well, Mark. Um, you know, grace really does change everything. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. And we're just so excited uh, to, to to be reminded of that and to hopefully for the case of believers, which uh, would likely be the lion's share of our audience, although we get, you know, people from all walks of life listening. Uh, we're excited for believers to be reacquainted with grace and to really uh, begin to embrace grace, not trying to be, you know, rhyming there, but it really is to welcome and embrace. I recently, I'm preaching through First Thessalonians, and recently I was in chapter 2, verse 13, and I talked about how Paul says those early believers, not only did they believe the gospel and receive Christ by faith, but they welcomed and embraced it enthusiastically. And, and sometimes we get so caught up in our performance, you know, mm -hmm. checklist, you know, Christian living, uh, that we forget to just sit back and enjoy the goodness and amazing grace of our of our Lord. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So we've been talking to Mark Fontecchio. He is with returntotheword.com, returntotheword.com. He's also the pastor at Pioneer Baptist in Wasilla, Alaska. And uh, I hope you'll check out his website and uh, you know sign up for his uh, newsletter or listen to his podcast and those things. Great man of God, really appreciate it. Look forward to coming back up there sometime. I'll just put that on 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 record here on air so that you kind of uh, are put on the spot. But no, we love Alaska and uh, love to come back and visit with you guys again sometime. Hey man, we will have you back up. And there's no doubt. I think I mentioned that last time. It's just we got to get calendar issues figured out. So it's just a matter of when, not if. No so, doubt. Yeah, well, but folks, thank you, JB, for allowing me to be with you today. You bet. We'll do it again. We'll, we we love uh, uh, the dialogue and love uh, hearing from you. So, uh, well, folks, so check out our website, notbyworks.org. Lots of great uh, materials and resources for you there. Uh, tune in again tomorrow as we continue uh, our podcasts this week. Uh, even though uh, my family and I are on the road for a series of speaking engagements down in the southeast, uh, Orlando and Georgia and some other places in Florida, uh, we're continuing with the podcast. And so tomorrow we've got Randy on for our World Events Update and then some other guests later in uh, the week. So check them out. And until then, have a great rest of the day and, and God bless you, everyone.